Fundraising Everywhere podcast is kindly sponsored by our friends at Just Given. Now, one of the things that we love most about Just Given is that they believe that everyone deserves to be able to use the very best fundraising tech to raise more money. And that includes all charities, small and big, and anyone in the world that wants to make a difference for a cause they care about. And although they've been around for years, they're still as passionate as ever about creating cool new tech and are always releasing new features. Plus, the team's lush to work with and they really care about charities. Fundraising everywhere. 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 You need to add me in there. Hello, hello, welcome, welcome everybody at today's webinar. Just follow the bloody guidelines, okay? It's really, really fab to have you all here with us. I'd like to uh, say a very special welcome to our wonderful members who I know are tuning in too. Um, we love you uh, and we couldn't do what we do without you, so thank you also for being here. Do say hello in the chat box and let us know where you're tuning in from today. Uh, and what's the weather like where you are? I know a few people have been sharing already. Um, I'm tuning in from a very wet and grey northwest front. So, yeah, not very um, not very exciting outside, but it's more exciting inside in this webinar. So I'm glad that I'm here. For those of you that haven't met me before, my name is Alex Aguidas and I'm Head of Growth Marketing at Fundraising Everywhere. And it is my great pleasure to be introducing today's session to you all. Over the last six years, Bloody Good Period has grown from a single Facebook post to a charity working with over 100 organizations around the country, providing vital menstrual supplies to asylum seekers, refugees, and anyone who can't afford them. Establishing a bold, recognizable, and unapologetically direct tone of voice has allowed Bloody Good Period to carve out a unique space in the charity sector and build a loyal following of supporters and ambassadors. It is without doubt one of the few charities that has not just supporters, but fans. Today, we welcome Gabby Jahanjahi Edlin, founder of Bloody Good Periods, and Tom Cornfoot, creative director and founder of a studio of our own, Bloody Good Periods Creative Agency. And they're gonna be explaining the importance of tone, language, and attitude as the foundation for black brand personality. They'll also be exploring how Bloody Good Period's unique and individual voice was developed and how it has managed to remain consistent and relevant across multiple platforms through a variety of campaigns, even as the focus of the charity has shifted. They'll be discussing ways to give your charity brand a personality and an attitude and how staying true to that helps attract people to your tribe. That's what we want. Gabby and Tom's session is about 30 minutes long, um, after which we will have time for a Q&A. So please do pop your questions into the chat box as they come to you, and we'll try and get to them all at the end. So without further ado, Tom, Gabby, I'll hand over to you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thanks, Alex. Uh, yeah, hello, everyone. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks to Fundraising Everywhere for hosting us. My name's as uh, my the lovely introduction was. 
uh, Tom, and uh, I'm the creative director at Studio Burn. And we're a creative consultancy based in and around London. Um, and Gabby, of course, is the founder and former CEO of Buddy Good Period. Um, yeah, they're an amazing charity that does phenomenal work fighting for menstrual equity and the rights of all people who menstruate. Now, uh, as a designer, my background is mostly in graphic design and the visual side of uh, branding. But today we're going to talk about tone of voice uh, and about purpose because we believe that there's a huge and, and largely untapped potential for charities to differentiate themselves, to make themselves stand out and attract attention by developing a strong tone of voice. So over the last eight to 10 years, we've developed a series of activities that help companies to do this, you know, building a strong message so that everyone inside the organization um, can believe in and get behind a single cause, and then turning that into a structure so that your external communications, your, your websites, your social media, and your newsletters give your wider audience a clear and consistent understanding of why they should care about what you're doing. Uh, and it's a process that we, we've seen makes a huge difference, not only with Bloody Good Period, but with lots of other, um, lots of other uh, companies. And we're partnering with, with, with Gabby to run these workshops at the moment so that her amazing experience in starting a charity can feed into the work that we do supporting charities to communicate better. Uh, we just finished uh, a project with the Fashion and Textile Children's Trust following the same process and 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 they've seen and are already seeing the benefits uh in terms of a significant uplift to their fundraising so um we've been uh working with bloody good period for over six years uh, and i hope bloody good period in very high regard because amongst all of the uh organizations and brands that i've ever worked with it really manages to maintain a sense of integrity and authenticity in everything it does and um, it has managed to achieve something that very few brands manage to achieve, and that is to attract fans, uh, not just um, supporters or donors, but fans. And people will wear a Bloody Good Period uh, T-shirt or a Bloody Good Period tote, and not just because they're volunteers or because they're being sponsored for something or because we've asked them to, but because they really believe in what Bloody Good Period does and what Bloody Good Period stands for. And that demonstrates a huge success, really, in terms of the way that the charity gets its message across. So hopefully through sharing some of the things that we've learned along the way, we'll give you some insights as to how to develop a strong brand tone of voice, how it helps to cut through the noise, and how it uh, helps to grow a dedicated audience and a tribe for your brand. So to start, you may not know who Bloody Good Period are, and there's no one really better to tell you the background of the charity than Gabby herself. So I'll hand over to Gabby. Thanks, Tom. Uh, hi, everyone. I'm uh, I'm Gabby Jahanjahi Edlin. And as you know, I'm the founder and former CEO of Bloody Good Period. And I stepped down from my position a year ago. And now I work as a social purpose creative consultant. And part of my work in that is running workshops with the studio of our own game because I really believe that we can help other charities achieve the level of, level of success that BGP have had in terms of communicating who you are and what you do. The first thing that you should know about me is that I never set out to have a career in the charity sector. Before BGP, I was a nanny and I was working in museums and galleries and I had just obtained a master's in design thinking. The second thing you should know about me is that I firmly believe that purposeful marketing and good design can transform culture and influence behavior change 
in ways that structures and intention alone just can't. And so I've set out to prove this mantra in 2016. While volunteering at an asylum seeker drop-in centre, I noticed that alongside the various essential items which were supplied for the clients, period products were not among them. And as a design thinker and human-centred researcher, I wanted to know why. First of all, I talked to drop-in volunteers. I found out there was simply not enough money or storage required to supply 100 women and people who menstruate with period products every month. And they weren't prioritised either. The menstrual space looked really different back then. Periods were simply not a normalised topic of conversation that they are now in many places. And then finally, I spoke to the clients themselves and to similar services across the UK. I discovered that there was no sustainable, reliable provision for period products. So experiencing poverty, we're having to use inefficient, infection-causing makeshift um, pads instead, despite the obvious status of a, as essential. So it was really clear to me that intervention was necessary. So I created period starting as a Facebook status and growing the organization. Although we weren't the first to be dealing with what would go on the near period poverty, I was dismayed and worried about a lack of commitment or ability for longevity. Often these were amazing small projects, but they inevitably closed due to a lack of resources. But there was always also this really infuriating commitment to euphemism, to shame and to embarrassment with regards to menstruation. So nobody that I saw was actually using the words periods or menstruation. It was all that time of the month and to give a girl a day and this kind of like euphemism couching around something that's just a really natural bodily function. And this was really clearly part of a wider problem of unchecked language and visuals in the sector. I was worried by the perpetuation of harmful practices that I could see charities, big and small fundraising, what's now comfortably known in the sector as poverty porn. And you probably know the work of charities so white or even radiator aid and their work is characterized by a demand for anti-oppressive practices inside and out in the sector and this really spoke to me and as i mentioned before i really had the benefit of looking in from the outside i was sick of seeing charities using guilt and shame to drive donations these things only work for so long before people become numb to them or annoyed with them and having work shifts as a phone fundraiser i had heard these reactions firsthand so I knew that I wanted to tap into joy and optimism and authenticity. BGP has grown from a Facebook status to a nationally recognised brand, which has influenced the private sector. We turn the blue liquid in period adverts to red and has influenced the government with whom we convened the Period Poverty Task Force in 2019. But this didn't happen by magic. Anyone who's been a friend or supporter of BGP since October 2016 will recognise that the logo, the tone of voice and the bold, unashamed visuals are still in use today. But we were beginning to face a problem. We'd added an education programme to our product provision and we'd begun to campaign for free products for everyone who needs them. But none of this was reflected anywhere in our comms or on our website. And that was affecting our funding too because of the way we spoke to our, fund our funders. I was really finding it a challenge to articulate the full breadth of the work that we did to the people who we wanted to fund us. Yeah, so that's 
What Gabby's articulating here is something um, that's quite common. We, uh, as a creative agency, we see this quite a lot. It's not exclusive to charities either. Um, this um, idea that we meet charities and they'll say, they'll provide us with a brief that says we need a new logo or we need a new website. But then when we interrogate that brief a little, it quickly becomes clear that the real problem runs deeper than that. Um, it often manifests itself in a feeling that no one can quite articulate what it is that the charity does or that everyone can, but that everyone has a different answer. So if we were in a room, I'd do a show of hands, but since we're on Zoom and I can't see you all, we'll do it on trust. But how many of you uh, can explain what it is that your organisation does succinctly and in a language that you're really comfortable with? You know, could you could you put it in eight to ten words that you would use to explain it to a friend in a pub? And could you explain it even further than that? Could you explain it to a five-year-old in terms that they would understand? And of those of you that could do that, how many of you feel that if we asked the same question to everyone in your organisation, you'd get the same answer? Um, and I, you know, I think that's the, that's the key problem here is that that charities and, and most companies, for that matter, find that as they grow, they add more um, products, more people, more campaigns, more projects. And before long, every person has a slightly different view of what the organization is meant to be achieving. And so as a result, the external facing communication, that's your website and your socials and everything, become a sort of Frankenstein's monster of different messages and ideas. So charities go looking for a new logo or a new website, but really they're, they're treating the symptom and not the cause of the problem. And that's to some extent what happened to Bloody Good Period. There was suddenly a lot going on, as Gabby said, a new education program, a new project about normalizing period language. And it wasn't clear how all the different campaigns and projects fitted into the whole. So in order to address this, we pulled together a group of people from across the charity, uh, trustees and volunteers and so on, and got them all into a room to take, uh, you know, together to take part in one of our workshops. And the workshop is really about stripping everything back to basics. It's about making sure that everyone across the organization fully understands what you're about, what you want to achieve, so that it makes sense to them, so that they can explain it, so that they can help others explain it and get behind it. Because before you can explain something, you really need to understand it and you really need to be comfortable with it. So the workshop is about picking apart all of the baggage that builds up in an organization over time. And in many ways, it's like a therapy session. It's a sort of a safe space where there are no judgments or assumptions. And we run through a series of questions and activities that are about prompting and sometimes provoking people, you know, into thinking about the organization in a different way and from a number of different points of view, um, to thinking about, you know, what the charity does, how supporters might perceive it, you know, what it does well, what it does less well, what might it, what it might do in the future. And so we looked at Bloody Good Period from lots of different angles as a volunteer, as someone who might donate, someone who has never heard of Bloody Good Period, or maybe someone who's, you know, completely new to the idea of of period poverty so that you know we get a real outside in perspective and we can build a messaging structure that clearly says this is who we are this is what we believe in and this is what we want to achieve in a way that resonates both with the people inside the business or the the, the charity but also with with people outside the charity and at the end of the workshop we came out with sort of four or five hours of transcripts you know people sort of saying what they like what they don't like what they make what makes them proud and we take all of that and hidden within that is everything we need to help the organization communicate better. And from there, we build a sort of a messaging hierarchy, which is a structure. 
and the purpose is to give the tone of voice um uh, you know a structure so that all the different elements can be shown to be connected so that they feed into one key mission that everyone understands and it works like this so at the top is about who the charity is so bloody good period uh, is and is working for you know the, the next line is is about what we're working for the ultimate goal of the organization we fight for menstrual equity and the rights of all people who bleed um and that's that's a change from the original mission which was about giving female and menstruating refugees one less thing to to worry about those original posts by by Gabby when she originally started the organization up because by this point providing pads have become a smaller part of the bigger mission and the new language about you know menstrual equity represents a shift to a, a bigger mission something that's more takes on you know uh, uh, tackling structural stigmas and disadvantage that comes you know that the people who menstruate face one line down from that is what we're fighting against this is the cause that we're fighting against you know we don't believe that anyone should be a disadvantage at a disadvantage just because they menstruate furthermore we the the four key pillars of what bloody good period does delivering um, pads is part of that but it's as you see it's a smaller part of the bigger bigger project um education normalizing language around periods and amplifying the voices of those who um believe that um people should not be at disadvantage because they menstruate um how we do it the next line down shows how the different campaigns come together to uh to to communicate those um those processes and those those um uh those uh campaigns that deliver the overarching goal and beneath that at the very bottom of the pyramid is the fundraising and that's obviously how bloody good period raises money so that the charity can fund those activities so that's the broad structure and everything that the organization does and everyone within the organization can then understand their place how their role plays into the overall mission and it's very top line deliberately so but it lets people understand how all the parts fit together and how they are playing a part um in the in in the bigger mission and that keeps all of the messaging consistent as well so once that hierarchy is in place we simply wrote four very uh basic guidelines and those rules help translate the mission and the ideals into a tone of voice that can be used across all of bloody good periods communications to keep them consistent and on brand and that language that tone is really essential because it gets to the heart of who bloody good period is it makes the charity keeps the charity relatable it gives it a sense of attitude and personality and all of that really comes from gabby and that, those sort of first facebook status um you know that she wrote in her own voice and what we did going forward um is really just to amplify that and make it make it um consistent across all subsequent campaigns so those four rules um are here so firstly be disruptive whatever blood good period does it absolutely is not a sort of traditional charity as gabby said it's very much it was the charity was very much born as a reaction against what she disliked about certain aspects of the charity sector in general and that disruptive streak shines through in everything the bloody good period says and everything bloody good period does and the tone of writing gives a very clear sense of an organization that knows what it's doing what it wants to achieve and how it's going to go about achieving it 
And we really know our audience, the BGP. Um, although it sort of spans generations and genders, we knew that it was aimed at uh, women and people who menstruate in the UK between 18 and 40. And because we know our audience and because we took the positive decision to be anti-shame, anti-embarrassment, pro-inclusivity, we can be bold with that and speak with confidence. And, you know, a lot of our imagery can feel confronting to some people, but ultimately we're asking people to challenge their own preconceptions of menstruation. And many supporters have told us that upon seeing the stuff that we share, they've really challenged their own mindsets of what is appropriate, especially for a charity from the work that we share. Absolutely. So um, the next rule is about brevity. Gets the point. Just because something is complicated doesn't mean that your writing or the way you explain it has to be. With any piece of copy, you have a very, very limited time to make an impact. So it's important to be bold. It's important to be brutal with yourself. Cut out your repetition. Cut out acronyms. Cut out jargon or technical language. The conversations that Bloody Good Period gets involved with are sometimes complicated and nuanced. But on the flip side, the, com the communications are always about brevity and simplicity. Everything has a real sort of um, feeling that's rooted in you know, activism and this challenger mentality. It's punchy and it's disruptive and it's clearly rooted in those slogans that you might see on placards at protests and that, you know, that Gabby and the team were, you know, were putting on placards in the sort of early days and uh, early days of the, of the organization. So I think that sort of, th that, that sort of thinking and that process is really important. Rule three is to speak like a, speak like a friend speak like a friend who's really into periods because i think that in a world where we are bombarded by messages um on the, you know that are you know increasingly digital and online people crave a human touch so if you sound like a human it really goes a long way to helping you stand out and with bloody good period the key to the success of the brand is that instead of playing to a sense of shame or guilt as gabby was saying earlier it taps into sort of optimism and hope and fun and those themes are things that people are really receptive to it, it doesn't condescend it doesn't patronize it's not you fund us and we'll go and fight the fight it's very much we think this is wrong and we know you do too so let's go and fight this together and i think there's also a tendency when you're writing copy for for a large audience especially uh, you're trying to appeal to a, a, as many people as possible to try and please everyone. And as a result, uh, you know, sometimes charity communications can feel quite cold or lack personality. But because Bloody Good Period knows its audience and it knows its tribe, it doesn't need to worry about that. And what you have with Bloody Good Period is a growing charity that manages to retain the voice and personality of a single person. And I think that's really key to the success of the, the communications. I mean, we still have people messaging the Instagram and, and Twitter thinking they're talking to me um, when they haven't spoken to me in about five years that way. Um, because Bloody Good Period is bold and for the most part, it's just really casual, conversational and friendly. There's no sense of formality. We don't dress things up in long words. We want people to understand what we're saying and we want it to be accessible. And that makes it into a community and a sense of family. People have told us that 
who who aren't working for BGP and haven't even um, you know come across us in real life, tell us that they feel that they're part of the charity. They feel that they're in bloody good period. They're not just supporters of our work. And I really believe that's because, as Tom said earlier, BGP retains my voice and the people working for it um, right back from when we were very first doing the work. Yeah, so this is um, this what's on screen now is another another example of this about um, about which is particularly relevant to political period and the language that's used around um, menstruation, as Gabby was saying earlier about the, the importance, you know, the way that the society was treating periods um, has come a long way in the over the six years of the charity's existence. But this is the kind of guidelines that that were, we were creating or that was being were being created around this idea of really being, you know, more um, considerate of language and that's reflected um not only in the kind of messages that we're putting out but in the mess in the way that bloody good period asks people to talk about periods um so the third is it the third we got to the fourth rule already fourth rule is uh don't be afraid of humor so we know that the things that people go through when they can't afford menstrual products are not funny and we know that the system being biased against people who menstruate isn't funny either um, and I'm sure that's true of a lot of work done by charities and a lot of the charities that that, that that you'll all be working for. By nature, the work that you do is probably not a laughing matter. But we also know that often the difference between a social post that you look at and ignore and a social post that you look at and makes you smile and then you might share with your friends is a sense of humour. Um, so we never miss a chance to make a period pun. You know, every um, every opportunity that we find, we will we'll sort of sandwich a period pun in. And every period joke, really, we see is a, a step towards normalising that kind of language, to normalising menstruation, to bringing it into conversation in a way that is disarming, funny, gets people on board, breaks people uh, out of their sort of usual uh, echo chambers and the way that they, you know, the way that people's perceptions and understanding of, of periods and period conversations have been built. In the past so we take the issue seriously but and we take the work seriously but bloody good period doesn't take itself too seriously um and i think i've got some yeah this is kind of you know there's myriad examples of kind of period puns that i'll go through but but that's really it those four guidelines are the key pillars on which all bloody good period comms are based more guidelines than that would make it stale and formulaic. It would become um, repetitive and dull. But just those four simple guidelines and the message hierarchy are really all that the bloody good period tone of voice is built on. And it helps it to stay relevant and consistent across all of its different channels. And as Gabby said, it's again, it's testament to the strength of the tone of voice that people will still message the charity thinking that they're speaking specifically to one person. When actually Gabby um, doesn't, no longer is no longer directly involved with the charity and doesn't write the comms so it's you know it's, it's managed to sort of take on its own life and i think those four guidelines really are broadly applicable to any organization that wants to give itself you know a strong standout tone of voice so here we'll just go through um, a few more other examples of um where we think bloody good period tone of voice does really well so festive period is a big uh campaign that we did uh is really just based on the name festive period you know the idea of doing something 
some fundraising around sort of festive Christmas time. But the the um, again going back to that idea of shareability, the name and the hashtag tie the campaign really really nicely, not only to the cause, not only to the idea of menstruation, but also to the festive nature of the campaign. And because it's funny, you know, hashtag flow ho ho, it's something that people wanted to share. We got a lot of really good feedback from it. And of course, you know, thinking, you know, the mechanic of the campaign was to fill a digital, you know, an online virtual stocking with period products for someone who couldn't otherwise afford them. So within the construct of the bloody good period tone of voice, the three different tiered donation stages were light, medium, and heavy, which are, of course, um, words that are recognizable to anyone who's ever bought um, pads or, or, or tampons. So, um, that further, you know, furthermore, there was oh, sorry, there was other other language around that campaign which really helped to build a um, a like a sponsorship, like a repeat giving um, offer. So we used uh, periods of life, not just for Christmas, and sponsor a period, and it's the most wonderful time of the month, and those helped to drive a big wave of people signing up to donate monthly. Um, whereas previously, I think the emphasis had always been on sort of one-off giving. And bloody good, the festive period has been really successful. I mean, we've repri- we've reprised it every year since, and I think it's raised in the area of seventy thousand pounds in one-off donations alone, which you know for a small organisation is, is is a big deal. Um, this what we're seeing here is from Bloody Funny. Uh, this is a the charity's annual stand-up fundraiser. Um, and I think that it's, again, the idea of a, a stand-up show, again, ties into that idea of bloody good, uh, bloody good Period being quite irreverent and funny in its comms. And I think it's really helped to open up the charity to new audiences because, again, humour helps to make it more universal, makes it more approachable, and it brings people together in this sort of shared, non-judgmental space. And through doing that, Bloody Good Period sells merch. You know, there's not a lot of charities that can kind of get away with that sort of concept of selling something that's funny and that's wearable and there's almost sort of a lifestyle choice um i think there's something really sort of convincing in that more brilliant period puns (laughs) bgp started a movement and our refusal to use stories photos of the people we work with for fundraising commitment to gender inclusivity and probably ultimately our refusal to submit to traditional women's charities conventions and to dedicate ourselves to authenticity and ethics in every aspect of our work has achieved us not only a medium charity income within a few short years but a really solid engaged fan base of gen z millennial and gen x supporters and because it's being about being values led in everything that you do and then learning how to communicate that same work in a values-led, fresh way. So that's it. So to sum up, I think, you know, I'm certain that you're all doing amazing things because the charity sector is filled with people fighting for causes that they passionately believe in. And really the goal of improving your communication is, you know, I think to convert people who support you into fans who sort of, you know, hang on your every word and are waiting for the next exciting thing, you know, installment of what you're going to do. 
And but in order to do that, I think you first need to completely understand what it is that you do so that everyone in your team can explain it as one person and in one voice. You know, it needs to be honest and it needs to be inclusive. And you would think those things should probably be obvious. But also, if you can make it funny, that's a big win too. So here's an exercise you can take away for later today. Bloody Good Period really manages to succeed by writing communications that you can fit, that, that are both inspired by and that can work as almost messages that you put on a placard at a, at a demonstration. So when you're back at your desk, take a post-it note and a pen and write your charity message down on it in terms that fit on a placard. And if you can, if you like, you can take a picture and share it with us. Because I think that once you can start to talk about your charity in those terms, then you, you're really in a really strong position to start being able to take it out there and win fans from your supporter base. Um, and if any of you want to hear more about the workshops that we run and how we help charities to get to that point of understanding so they can build that tone of voice, we'd love to tell you more so you can reach out to us through LinkedIn or Instagram. Thank you so much, Tom. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Uh, I think Gabby might have just had a little hiccup in um, in the Wi-Fi. <laughs> so hopefully Gabby will be back uh, very, very soon. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for such um, a thoughtful, uh, honest um, and informed session with um, what we love at Fundraising Everywhere. Just lots of really tangible bits of um insight advice tactics to be able to kind of recreate this in our in our own kind of organizations hey gabby welcome back oh you're you're all good you're all good i mean the thing is with virtual events is uh we are we are very used to the odd like wi-fi hiccup so so it's all good yeah sorry um, i was muted through through part of what i was saying oh no we could hear you oh good okay we're all good yeah every everything's everything's fine um, so I was just saying a huge thanks to you both for such an informed session. Um, everyone's been really, really enjoying it. And we actually have a few questions that have come in. Um, so I will start from the top. So um, we have a question from Jenny who's asking, you have a very clear name, so bloody good period, very clear name. What would you advise to a charity that doesn't have a clear name apart from change the name? So what would your advice be if the charity can't change their name? Um, I would say if you can't change the name, then you can most likely change your, um, your sort of top line, the thing that describes what you do that could be shorter than the charity. You know, you could have sort of six, a six word name, but say we help people, you know, surviving cancer, something like that. And, and that's, that's good enough. Like if, you know, it's not to be put so like a tagline. A much but yeah much shorter tagline you know not everybody knows what bloody good period does just from the words bloody good period people think we're a company people think we're just a campaign so um the tagline really counts really good advice. yeah i wouldn't get overly hung up on it i think that's you know people it's the same in the, in the same sense that people sometimes get very hung up on logos i mean it's it's really an identifier to a point, but people have got to believe in the message and the work you're doing. And I think if you can achieve that through your broader comm strategy, then you're, you know, you're in a good place. Amazing, thank you. Um, we have a question from um, Hayden. Hayden, apologies if I've mispronounced that. Um, 
how do you check that all of your materials meet um, these guidelines that you've been uh, sharing with us if they're produced by different people? What benchmarks do you have in place? Um, and how do you feedback if you don't think the material meets the comms guidelines? So I think that is kind of the crux of that is about kind of uh, quality assurance um, and standardizing yeah, messaging and sign off and whatnot. Okay, Tom. So I think that part of that really is about that that piece that that um, I mentioned earlier. It's it, it's always going to be difficult unless you run everything through one person, which is you know for for a small charity it's possible, but for a lot even for a bloody good period, Gabby, tell me I'm wrong. You don't you've never had the sign off on every piece of comms, right? Not every no no anything major, yes, but no, I I you you have to trust your team. So I wouldn't see Instagram yeah. until it was out most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. So that trust comes from, as I said, as we, as we discussed earlier, it's that having that shared sense of mission and that sort of structure in place whereby you all understand what you're trying to achieve. I think that you're, unless there is always going to be one person signing, uh, you know, signing something off, there's always a risk that something will go out. But equally, um, if you're all committed to the the you know the ultimate outcome then it's not so much you know that risk is is mitigated to some extent furthermore there's always you know the world we live in now there's always a risk um there's always a chance that you're going to say so that something will go out through your social channels that someone will take offense at um and although bloody good period is not disruptive for the sake of being disruptive you know there's certainly been instances um where social stuff's blown up um but I think that's just the that's just an inevitable it's it's an inevitable consequence of putting out messages in a you know trying to create positive change in a world that accepts things as they are by and large. You know, if you're trying to change things, you're trying to say something different, then there'll be there'll be haters and there'll be people who are trying to detract from that. You know, so so I'm just talking in terms of mitigating um, messages that go out. Otherwise. You know, I think you've got to take it as part of those sorts of things. Sometimes as part and parcel of, of of how it works. But sorry, to answer the question more succinctly, having that structure in place is the way that you hopefully reduce the risk of um, messages going off brand. And I think in terms of the feeding back, once you have that structure, it becomes a lot easier. You don't feel like you're going back to your team and criticizing them. You're just saying, "Do we think it meets this, this, and this?" And if it doesn't, then it doesn't. That's not like a, that's not a personal flaw. That's just something that can be rectified quite easily. So it's just having that re- real clarity um, written down, I guess, and, and a set of guidelines that are easy to understand, that everyone has access to, that everyone is looking at. I think sometimes in charities, so I spent 10 years as a fundraiser working in the charity sector in like various dis- different disciplines. But um, sometimes my experience was that, you know, you might create like a, a load of messaging that everyone does a big project on and then it goes in the folder and then you don't look at it again. Um, and we know that with these things, they're constantly evolving, but we need to be looking at them all the time and using them because otherwise, then what on earth is, is the point in, in, in doing them in the first place? Yeah, and um, that means something you bring to your team meeting every few months, just yeah, having a, a recurring agenda item. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a really good suggestion. Um, so we have another question from Laura. Um, what would you advise to people taking a similar approach to radical comms 
who might have a very broad and mixed audience and comfortable with disruption. I actually personally feel very, I can relate a lot to this, <laughs> to this question from like some of the organizations I've worked for, some of the charities I've worked for. Over to you. We have an audience that were uncomfortable with disruption. You, you sort of, you guide your audience into becoming comfortable with disruption because you don't just go in there and drop bombs. You talk to them about why. Um, I think that often we don't give our audience the chance to really investigate what might feel disruptive to them. And if there is a lot of really good comms about why you're deciding to change the industry or you're deciding to use different language, then, then I think for the most part, people do understand. And it's sort of what Tom um has said before that you um sorry it wasn't it was actually something i read before you um you you can't just sit and think about audience all the time as this mass group of people you almost have to talk to one person you sort of have to talk as much as you can to not necessarily the most disruptive and you know reactive but what is the person who you think is pretty like you know maybe quite but is interested in new things and how can you how can you sort of couch it and, and broach it with them? Um, I, I just I think we need to give our sort of charity followers and audiences a little bit more credit that this is often okay, you know, if it's not done in a really sort of offensive way. And if you're doing something, if you know if they're already you know supporting what you're doing, then they're probably sort of halfway on board. Yeah, I would add to that. Completely. I would add to that that um, you've got to get to the core of why you exist as an organisation. Like, if what you're doing is, it's not a case of being disruptive for disruption's sake. It's simply a case of carving out your niche in order to address the cause that you've got come into business. You've come, you've set up the organisation to 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 resolve or to support. Um, if what you're essentially going to say is that. Um, you know there are lots of organisations doing the same thing. Then, then you might as well blend into the blend into the wallpaper. I think you. What is it that you're doing that's special that makes you unique as an organisation? And in theory, if you're doing something that's unique and you're doing it, in your, or you're doing it in a way that's unique, or you have a unique approach, then then that's enough. Like that will be enough to stand out. That is disruptive in and of itself because you're not just doing it like everyone else. And you just need to lean into that difference, that point of difference. You know, there are, of course, now lots of organizations out there that are doing similar things. They're in a similar space in the menstrual, you know, period poverty world. But but Bloody Good Period sort of maintains, still maintains that, that really strong voice. Um, and and also its approach, you know, it's, it's as I say, you know, that's that sort of, that humor, that sort of irreverence and all those things make it stand out. It's not disruptive for the sake of being disruptive. It's disruptive because it does what it does in the way that it does it and that's important sorry talk myself yeah there, but no no it does make it's about leading into that point of difference i think yeah and i think what i heard from what you were saying there is um it's about having a clear um understanding first of all to go back to what you were saying at the start who are you who are you what do you do why do you do it can you explain that really easily um and then it's about kind of being confident enough and brave enough and courageous enough to take your messaging where it needs to go to then achieve that goal 
Um, and I think something that I can I have experienced in the charity world uh, previously, um, and actually we have at fundraising everywhere um, on the occasion. I like uh, Gabby. Um, I'm an, a Northern lass from I'm from Cumbria. I spent many years in Manchester actually, but um, from a little bit further up, um, love Manchester. Um, but bloody is actually like very. It, it's it's a part of Northern dialect. It's just kind of the way. It's not seen as a swear word. It's kind of, it's just the way like we we speak up there. And I've like, thrown in a few bloodies actually in in some of our comms. We've had complaints actually, which have been really interesting. People that have found it um, offensive. And I think the the initial reaction can be sometimes what a lot of organ- people in charities have, have felt, which I have as well as someone who's worked in the sector for a long time. That you might get one or two people getting in touch being like I really really didn't like that and then it kind of like puts people into a bit of a frenzy and they're like oh no why did we do that we shouldn't have done that but actually the other like you know 120 1000 you know 5000 people haven't said anything and like loads of people have donated loads of people have taken your action I think it's about that bravery isn't it to say actually you know we really believe in who we are and we know why we're talking the way we are it's not going to be everyone's cup of tea and, and that's all right actually yeah yeah I think the number one Goody line of all of this work is don't try and be everyone's cup of tea because you yeah. will do nothing. You will do nothing good if you try to do that. Yeah, really good advice. Thank you. And um, we have another question from Jane. Um, what are some campaigns from other charities that have inspired you? You got anything on? I feel like that's a really good question that comes up in interviews sometimes. Then you're always like, oh my god, I look at loads of campaigns, but now my mind's gone blank. Jane has also added, to give you a bit more thinking time, Jane has added bloody is definitely a part of our northern vernacular. So there She's you go. absolutely bloody correct. Yeah. Um, I, I cannot think of any, but I really like uh, the, the fumble. They're, um, the sexual health charity, I love their branding. I think that's really lovely. Um, it's not a campaign, but it's sort of the way that they look, and I think it suits them really. I think it's fumble. I'll double check, but it suits really well because they're all about penal and sexual health. Um, yeah, I'm just looking just to double check. I've got a folder of stuff that I keep, but I've got to jump into it. Yeah, I can jump into one actually. There's something yeah. that came up, and um, we had our members clinic yesterday. And we had Chris O'Sullivan, who uh, looks after fundraising and comms for MND Scotland. Um, and he was sharing, um, he has this little uh, like picture or like a mini poster piece of art in a frame. And it says, don't be a dick. And um, it's just so lovely. And we were just talking about how that's just like such an important thing to remember like, as a human being, but particular in the charity sector, don't be a dick. Yeah. And he was saying, I was like, oh, that's great. I'd love to get one. And it's Maggie's, um, the cancer uh, centre, yeah. who actually has a line of merchandise. And you can actually get them in earrings as well. He's now sent them. So I might say the, the difficult thing is you can get it as a gift to yourself, but it's a bit difficult to get it to someone else because they might think that you think yeah. might, um, I would definitely like to give that to myself. But that's something actually that, that's really brave. And in the messaging, they said, um, we all know that the real dick here is cancer. But, you know, here's like earrings that, you know, like... I've thought of a couple now you said that. I think Copperfield, the breast cancer awareness charity, yes. I think are amazing. Like, I love them. Um, and they were really hearing me setting up. I think they do what they do really, really well. And they really laid the groundwork for what BGP was able to do because, um, you know, they got they they got a lot of nonsense from the sort of uh, 
breast cancer charities because they just basically said things were they were talking about awareness they were um they were really casual and that really just spoke to young people i think i think they're incredible and the also the other one is campaign against living miserably calm i think they're brilliant as well the way they talk about um suicide is open honest to be free um and i think that i think that's that's going to be remembered as a very successful campaign yeah, really good suggestions. Tom, have any come to you? I mean, uh, the only one that I've come up with is Mind. I think that Mind, um, just in terms of the brevity of their message and how, because as my background is in visual design as well, I think that the the way that their branding works um, in a really nice, uh, it's really, it works in a really nice modular way. And so I really like that. But in terms of, in terms of, um, in terms of uh, the way that the in terms of tone of voice, um, no, I would re- I would um, agree with Gabby in terms of I think Copperfield is great. I have um, a follow up question, and it's something around tone of voice and channels. Um, what would your advice be um, for organisations maybe thinking about a brand refresh or a change of direction or perhaps like a new organisation that's just like being started? Um, would you advise that they think about the channels that they need to run on? So what I'm thinking there is um, like TV um, and obviously like strict guidelines there as to like what you can and can't say on TV. And I was thinking about kind of Maggie's and like um, don't be a dick and swearing and stand up to cancer with, with Cancer Research UK. And they've obviously got this like really clear like you know tagline motto, but it's also very PG. So obviously it doesn't matter what channel it goes on. Do you think that charities should be restricted in that way, or do you think they should create their brand identity and then the message will just go out where it should go out, and they shouldn't be thinking kind of too like mechanically about it? Yeah, I think the real key is to to sort of work out your tone of voice first, and then work out if you need to how to edit it from there I think if you know you end up just becoming like a Radio 4 announcer from 1960 like you know that that doesn't speak to anybody and I think um you know just speaking about channels like social media is a great place to try out a tone of voice especially if you're new um see what sticks like see you know see what people respond to really well um and you know stuff's deletable on there like I mean obviously don't go offending people but like um you know try out different things and if you feel that like after a certain amount of time it doesn't align with your voice then then you have every right to remove it and to streamline and to make it into something that that you feel does speak to it that's really good advice yeah i mean i think that the word bloody obviously being reused repeatedly in bloody good periods comms is really the limit it's not there's nothing i mean maybe i'm very liberal but there's nothing I don't think there's anything in there. Oh, I was thinking really yeah, oh no, I yeah. agree. Yeah, I was thinking more of like the Maggie's thing. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. different thing. But um but I'm sure they'll have facets of their their tone of voice that will work in those different those different things. And you, yeah, you but, have a brand that can flex. Yeah. Yeah. As long as you don't yeah. I think if you if you there would be no reason for you to put something like that in the name of your charity unless there would be a very specific reason for it. In which case yeah. you would have an argument that that's central to what you do presumably. Yeah. Um, if it's if yeah, in um, we fought with the charity commission for a year to try and get this name. So, yeah, sorry, I'm so glad that you're able to get it. Me too. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it's definitely leaning into the second part of what you said. It's it's uh, if you're true to if you're if you're being true to who you are and what you're if you, and, and what your uh, your message is and the people that you know are receptive to that message, then you don't have to you don't have to fear too much um, offending people as long as you can justify it because yeah. it's it's true to who you are. Yeah, and you've done the working to get to get there. Yeah, um, and then Thank you. So we've got two minutes to go and I'm keen to let people get off to them what I'm sure they'll have like meetings to get on to after this, but we do have time for one more question. Um, so the question is, uh, let me check who it's from, from Bella. Um, do you have any advice for a HIV charity, Waverley Care based in Scotland that can't use humour yet due to ongoing stigma? They obviously can't risk making, you know, light of or jokes about HIV, but have you got any any advice of how they could make that brand more playful? And also Jenny has chipped in and said, same for us, death of a child is like their kind of cause. I mean, you don't have to use humour. Like, we're, you know, I think the things that, that Tom was saying, like, if they don't apply to you, like, don't enforce them, like, create your own guidelines. Um, but, you know, nobody, I think, would ever try and, no good Asians, they would ever try and make HIV or the, or the death of a child feel like a joke if the charity is wanting to sort of explore humour then you might go out and do focus groups and you might look at the conversations that are being had around um, the really terrible things that are happening and where are the people finding if not comedy then where are they finding warmth and understanding and their own types of jokes um, I think that's entirely possible and that being led by your community and you know if there's something that you know people um, living with HIV find really funny about their own experience maybe not like it's not half funny but it's darkly funny and they want that to be represented that's absolutely an option but um, I think the worst thing you can do is if it doesn't feel like there's any humor there then try and make it humorous but you can make it conversationable and accessible and can make it something that you can talk about easily and that you can explain and I think that's where the sort of you're getting on the spectrum of like um openness it doesn't have to be ha-ha but it can be something that's representative or it can just be something that's open yeah amazing yeah really really good response Tom did you want to do you want to chip in? No, no I, need to, I, need to, I need to agree. Uh, like, I think that it's it, it might not be it might not be humor. Humor might not work for you, but what will potentially work is you know the reason that humor works for a bloody good period is as, as as we discussed, it's about breaking down barriers into awkward conversations. You know, a lot of people, a lot of men particularly, don't want to talk about periods. Find it icky. Find it something that they just rather have nothing to do with. But humour in this context helps to break those conversations down and make it an accessible conversation. Mm -hmm. So so anything that you can do to bring, if it's not humour, then if it's personality or transparency or honesty, make it feel like a conversation, make it feel like something that's open and natural to talk about, um, that's that's your way in. And if there's humour within that naturally, then there, is, into if there isn't, then... Find another way. Obviously don't sort of shoe on it in. Amazing. Yeah. Tom, Gabby, sorry, go for it, Gabby. We, we don't use humour for everything. You know, when we yeah. do reports about um, how asylum-seeking women cope with period poverty, there's nothing funny in that. And we don't pretend to be, you know, but it's it's about picking the things which which do deserve some lightness and humour so that that other stuff is more 
accessible and, and touchable, I guess. Amazing. Tom, Gabby, thank you so much for being here today um, and sharing. It's been fantastic. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We're, we're out of time. Thank you so much for listening to the Fundraising Everywhere podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast, why not share it with a fundraising friend? And if you would like to give us a little like or subscribe, it really helps more fundraisers like you find us. Thank you so much. See you next time. Fundraising Everywhere podcast is kindly sponsored by our friends at Just Given. Now, one of the things that we love most about Just Given is that they believe that everyone deserves to be able to use the very best fundraising tech to raise more money. And that includes all charities, small and big, and anyone in the world that wants to make a difference for a cause they care about. And although they've been around for years, they're still as passionate as ever about creating cool new tech and are always releasing new features. Plus, the team's lush to work with and they really care about charities.